The Scuttlebutt is proud to welcome Millerstown Pick Apart, a self-service salvage yard where you can get parts you need for your car, truck, or van at very attractive prices because you do the work. Bring your own wrenches, hammers, screwdrivers, sockets, jacks, drills, or whatever you need, except for torches, to wrestle out the parts you need for the vehicles in the yard. Millerstown Pick Apart was created 17 years ago to provide reasonably priced solutions for auto parts needs. Millerstown is the perfect fit for those seeking discount auto parts to repair their own vehicles. Millerstown has a huge inventory of cars, which they purchase from individuals, towing companies, and auctions, and from its sister auto salvage recycling operation. For hours, directions, inventory, parts availability, and pricing, you can go to pickapartyard.com. That's P-I-C-A-P-A-R-T-Y-A-R-D, pickapartyard.com, or call 724-224-4777. That's pickapartyard.com, or call 724-224-4777. Those are the ultimate sacrifices that we make, right? Mm-hmm. That, that, that you deploy to a place and you don't know what's going to happen, mm-hmm. but, um, but you do it to create a better tomorrow for mm-hmm. the people that you love. Welcome everyone to another episode of The Scuttlebutt. I'm your host, Sean Hall, Director of Programming with the Veterans Breakfast Club, whose mission is to create communities of listening around veterans and their stories to connect, educate, heal, and inspire. Uh, This is going to be the bookend of our season, season finale here. Um, It has sort of been an unofficial season of military families, and I'm happy to continue on with that theme here with our guest, Krista Anderson, who we're going to get to in just a, a minute about a very interesting collaboration uh, between two uh, essential uh, army organizations um, about childcare. And uh, if you have been listening throughout the season, you'll kind of catch up on those themes of who we've been talking to between Lori Huertas and uh, her reading for military children and Sarah Wilkinson, gold star wife to Chad Wilkinson, who had started Chad 1000X. Krista here, our guest, is also a gold star wife uh, and has committed a lot of her time and energies into helping military spouses and military families. Uh, Super excited to get into this conversation. First, our audience, if you haven't, please review us wherever you get your podcast. Like, share, subscribe, and ring the bell on YouTube so you're the first to know whenever we bring out new episodes. Krista Anderson, thank you so much for joining the Scuttlebutt today. Uh, We'd love for you to introduce yourself. Thank you for having me. Um, so I am, as you said, I'm a gold star spouse, but I'm also a military spouse. Actually, my, my husband, um, uh, retired a couple of weeks ago, actually. Yeah. End of September, right? (laughs) Yes. Yes. Right around your birthday. So it was like a double celebration. Ah, yes, it was. (laughs) Thanks for remembering. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I didn't want to necessarily remember my birthday as I got older, so it was nice (laughs) to have a little refocus on him. (laughs) (laughs) Good point, and I feel the same way. Mine's at the end of October, and I'm like, oh, four zero, but you know. Oh, you're young, fun. (laughs) (laughs) My knees don't tell me I'm young, but that's another story. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So I am currently the military spouse ambassador. One of my roles, I'm the military spouse ambassador for Army Emergency relief. And Army Emergency Relief was was founded in 1942. Um, We are the Army's nonprofit. We're actually bound by some policies and regulations. And what we do is we have the the honor, I would say, to, um, to really 
take what the army provides our soldiers and their families and expand upon that. And so um, it's a great opportunity to catch, kind of be the net for these soldiers and families um, during any kind of financial hardship, emergency. We do a lot of emergency travel is one of our top, um, top programs, uh, assist during a PCS. And most recently, we have created this fantastic partnership with National Military Family um, Association, and it's to help with childcare fee assistance. Mm -hmm. And this is mainly because of COVID? It really is. I mean, when you think about it, um, across across the military, it's always tight. So childcare uh, is always tight anyways, on um, especially the larger installations. And then when you take into account COVID and the um, the amount of space maybe that the childcare facilities have, the reduction in um, in in childcare workers, childcare providers. Um, so we just needed to take into account um, all the different factors of why childcare was um, was really while families were really having a hard time accessing childcare, whether mm -hmm. it was on an installation, off the installation. And of course, off the installation is generally a lot more expensive. And so that was one of the reasons why we wanted to provide the childcare fee assistance as a category of assistance. And then when we realized that National Military Family Association was offering um, scholarships for, for military families, because they serve all military families mm -hmm. and all branches. And so we were able to help them with the, um, with the Army families that submitted applications for their child care assistance program. That's great. And, you know, coming at this from a civilian, I'm sure the listeners who've been with us for a while may know that I have a 22 month old. Um, we obviously in the civilian world have dealt with a lot of difficulty with childcare uh, during the last, you know, year and a half, two years. Um, so, it, you know, it's, it's maybe a dumb question, but understanding that the military deals with this as well. And when you say on installation and off, that's on base and off base, like military mm -hmm. housing as well as off base. Yes, yes, okay. exactly. Because we have childcare facilities on, um, on the um, bases, on the installations, military installations. And then if you need to go off the installation, as I said, um, it tends to be a bit more expensive to do that. Um, and especially now during COVID, because maybe the, the childcare fees have increased due to um, the reduction in children that they can take in, mm -hmm. and also um, just the ability to, to have the childcare um, providers on, you know, in the programs. How long have you worked with AER? Oh, goodness. Um, in January, it'll be three years. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, and what brought you to the organization? What, what made you say their, their, their mission is what I want to help support? So I think because more so because it is, um, when you look at all of the nonprofits, now when you, when you take Military One Source, they have vetted over 40,000 non-governmental organizations. And, um, and that's just serving military families. And so um, I mean, the support and the resources out there for military families are fantastic. Um, but when you, when you look at 
Army Emergency Relief, and also the other aid societies. So you have Air Force Aid Society, Coast Guard Mutual Assistance, Navy Marine Corps Relief Society um, that serves obviously their branches. Um, we are the branches nonprofit and we're there to support um, not only just emergencies because we have scholarships and such as well, but I would venture to say, and I can't prove this for sure, but I don't think there's any other organization that provides a 0% loan. Um, zero, so we, none. Zero, no strings attached. You don't wow. have to go home for Christmas. You don't yeah. have to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You don't have to mortgage the house. You, <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And so there's scholarships, 0% loans, grants, and then we can provide a combination of both. And so mm -hmm. um, I think that the other gift of actually um, requesting Army Emergency Relief or any of the aid society's assistance is you have the ability to talk to um, a, a financial advisor, if you will. And so they'll go through um, your budget. And, you know, I never even thought to do this until I started working with AER, I went on my phone and I looked at all the subscriptions, mm -hmm. that all the apps, and they added up. And there are some that I hadn't even realized I was still paying. You're talking like iTunes and, and different app subscriptions that we all sort of like jump into periodically. Like, yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And maybe if you don't have that app that you look at every day, you don't even realize you're paying it. And, and maybe that charge kind of hit your account and you don't even realize it. I don't know. Maybe I'm the only one, but <laughs> no, I certainly was like, Oh yeah, I'm on, I'm a prime, prime member. Why am I a prime, prime member? member. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And so you get to identify, um, all, really what your expenses are every month. And then you can identify the things that maybe you can cut loose mm -hmm. and tighten up your budget. And we really have a great opportunity um, as, as army families, as military families with the aid societies to identify what our budget is, identify what we're spending our money on every month, cut loose whatever we need to cut loose and, and really learn how to kind of carry our family into a stronger more stable financial future. And that includes childcare. So this AER-NMFA collaboration that has mm -hmm. come about to sort of help military families with childcare, uh, is this a first of its kind collaboration? Uh, how did this come about? Well, you know, the aid societies, or at least Army Emergency Relief, doesn't always um, collaborate with other organizations, not for necessarily the lack that, you know, or the fact that maybe we don't want to. It's mm -hmm. just, it hasn't really presented itself as often as it could. And because of um, what Army Emergency Relief is here for, mm -hmm. um, there needs to be a financial need. And so, they take um, being good stewards of the donor dollars very, very seriously, just mm -hmm. like all organizations. But there are certain, obviously, bylaws that we follow. So, um, you know, when we look at the mission of National Military Family Association, and I'm actually just going to read it if I if I sure. could. Yeah. Um, so NMFA says we are on a mission to stand up for, support, and enhance the quality of life for every military family through bold advocacy innovative programming, and dynamic and responsive solutions. And I think right there it says, um, you know, for Army Emergency Relief, we just realized it was such a good fit because mm -hmm. we want to make sure that we are partnering with 
organizations that can um, that can assess what the need is of our army families, and really they have a um, they can take the pulse of the pain points, mm, right? In such a in in such a meaningful way, and um, actually we. We have a um, a partnership with um, Military Family Advocacy Network, uh, MFAN, which is a mentorship program for military spouses as well. And really what we do with that is we're sharing information. We want to be able to provide our Army families um, with MFAN as a resource. And we want, and then their mentors are actually providing their mentees AER as a resource. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, and do you know families who have, have taken part in this child care funding? Yes, I'm hoping to be able to talk to actually one of the spouses in a few weeks on our, um, on our Facebook page. So stay tuned on and, that. And how, did the, how does one apply for this? I, I'm assuming that this is uh, for active duty military families and not veterans, as veterans have sort of their own organizations. Correct. Correct. And um, so they they actually applied to NMFA, and um, and that application process uh, already already closed down. Mm-hmm. Um, we realized and they recognized the true need because I believe they got nearly six thousand applications within a two week period. Strictly from just our army or across the no. branches. Oh, okay. Across the branches, across okay. the branches. And so, um, but Army Emergency Relief and Air Force Aid Society um, as well, we actually partner um, in terms of NMFA has partnered with AER and Air Force Aid Society to provide soldiers, um, airmen and guardians, um, this, this support for child care fee assistance. And you can apply to the actual aid societies directly now. Mm-hmm. So even though the NMFA um, program application has has closed, you can still apply to the aid societies. And is this for all childcare, like a nanny, or is this strictly for um, childcare facilities like daycare uh, or or after school programs? I mean, it could be whatever the need is, and so <laughs> we kind of look at look at and assess what the need is, and then um, and it's a case by case basis, and so. It could absolutely be you need in-home um, care, or it could be, um, you know, the you you need to go off the installation and and I'm throwing this number out there. Maybe on the installation you pay $500 a month. Off the installation, you know, is $1,000 a month. You know, what or whatever right. that difference is. Whatever. I would love $500 a month for childcare. Are you kidding? <laughs> Can you? I know. Yeah, that would be fantastic. Uh, I know. So, so I have a neighbor actually, who's an occupational therapist and, um, and they're a Coast Guard family. And she said, um, she said, I work two days a week and I really pay, just pay for childcare. <laughs> you can't do it. it I, my wife and I both worked from home during the main like shutdown phase. Yeah. And we had, you know, she was a, a, a newborn at that point. Thankfully, we had our mothers and, you know, not everybody is that lucky. Our mothers would come throughout the week and help us out and just, you know, hold her or watch her or feed her while we were working Um, because you realize uh, that it would be impossible. She would grab this pen if she were down here right now and she would jab it somewhere that she shouldn't. Right. (laughs) So you're like, someone has to watch you while I, you know, write this paper or whatever. Um, Yeah. But though this is great because... Uh, you know, we, we don't realize, I think sometimes in the civilian world, how many things uh, that military families are dealing with just like we are, 
that mm-hmm. this is the same, like a military spouse, whether it's male or female is probably going to be a home homekeeper or also have a full-time job or part-time job that they are going to need to have some level of, of assistance with. Is- and like you said, you had your moms, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So a lot of military families are, are not necessarily in, um, living in an area, uh, where their family is. And so, Great um, you know, the big joke is, is we, we PCS, we, you know, permanent change of station, we move someplace and, you know, ask our neighbor, could you be our emergency contact <laughs> Right. for our and, kids? So. And we only had to pay my mom in, in hugs so that, <laughs> right, right. Um, <laughs> So they're helping all, all of these families. And is there a limit of, of um, income that you have to be under or, or around to apply for this child care? You know, that, that goes on what their budget is. Remember I said, they, they look at the budget and, and they assess what the expense, I mean, whatever you're spending your money on is what you spend your money on. Whatever your household expenses are is what your household expenses are. And so what is your expendable income? And they go off of that. And that's how they assess, assess what the, what the actual need is. Okay. And so it's different for everyone. And the uh, National Military Family Association. Uh, tell me, uh, we've, we've talked about their mission there, and though you're a representative more of AER, what sure. do you think of NMFA? Oh, they're a fantastic organization. And you know, they started, um, I want to say 50 years ago, and they were one of the very first. And, and, you know, as you mentioned, I'm a gold star spouse as well. My first husband, um, Staff Sergeant Michael Harrison Simpson, um, was killed in action in 2013. And when I look at how NMFA started, they started supporting um, surviving spouses. And, um, and they kind of, they, they rallied to um, uh, find a way to support these families that uh, maybe the, the Department of Defense or the military hadn't caught up to yet. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't want to, not that, you know, um, not that there wasn't any other resources available. And um, recent, most recently, the um, SPP DIC offset, which is the Survivor Benefit Pension Plan, mm-hmm. Dependent Indemnity Compensation, um, those two benefits used to um, offset each other. And so they, they called it a widow's tax. And NMFA actually um, began kind of advocating for the elimination of that offset um, a long time ago. And it took over 20 years, but it's actually going to be eliminated by 2024. That's fantastic. Yeah, it will truly impact the financial stability of so many surviving families. Uh, and I and I'd like to get to some of that as well because here on on VBC uh, we always like to honor those who have given the ultimate sacrifice um, along with honoring our veterans and our active service members. Um, what can you tell me about Mike? Oh, and 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 that's a very big question. I'm known for yeah. that, so there's no way to sort of encapsulate that. We could talk for hours, I'm sure, about it. Um, but is there something that you would like our audience to know about him? He was um, selfless. He was uh, a faithful man. He loved our boys more than life itself. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember when Michael was born in 2009, um, he just, he, he 
hadn't realized, and I imagine you have experienced this too, he hadn't realized how much he could actually love someone. And I kind of thought, oh, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> <'Cause it's> like, <laughs> yeah, I know that feeling too. I know both of those feelings, <laughs> right? <laughs> and, um, you know, I think all of our service members, um, they, they served to make a better tomorrow for the people that they loved. Mm -hmm. you know? And, um, and that's what he, that's what he did. He was so proud to be a Green Beret. His dad and his brother are retired Green Berets and, um, his other brother, David also serves in the army and, um, and his sister and mom have supported them, you know, throughout the whole journey, um, in, in such meaningful ways. And, you know, he just, I think his service and his sacrifice, um, it's hard to explain how that feels in terms of the, like the sadness and the, um, the pride. Sometimes it's confusing because there really isn't one that's, that's greater than the other, you know, knowing that he served and sacrificed um, to make tomorrow better for everyone um, is a gift. And our mm -hmm. boys um, talk about him every day. That's wonderful. It we had a conversation before, prior to recording this episode where you said a very interesting quote that I'm sure definitely our civilian audience probably wouldn't, it, it struck me and as a civilian, um, mm -hmm. because I would, I would assume as myself, if I knew someone who had, uh, if I knew a close one, a loved one, a spouse who uh, died and sacrificed their life uh, in a war uh, for our freedom, mm -hmm. I probably, I, I would assume in my mind, I would think I would be angry about this. But there was something you said, you said, uh, you never would take that away from him. And you and that sort of a, would you call it a warrior's sacrifice, uh, an honorable death? Um, and I, I just, I, I wanted to ask you about that to see if maybe you could elaborate a bit further on, on what that means. Yeah, I think I came to that, um, that conclusion. Um, you know, every year, I feel like my eyes open up bigger and bigger and bigger, you know, mm -hmm. throughout the years. And it's been over eight years now. And a lot of, a lot of times, you know, I've been asked, um, if you knew, um, you know, if you knew then what you know now, would you have changed it? Would you have, um, done things differently? Would you have still married him? Would you, you know, all of those mm -hmm. questions, which are natural questions and I don't take offense to them at all. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and, I came to the realization that, um, you know, so many people say, yeah, if I could, if I could go back and I could change what happened to Mike that day, mm -hmm. um, if it's between having him here with us, of course, I want him to be here with us, but the honor of sacrificing your life for this great nation, which I take for granted our freedoms every day. I take for granted all of it. I take for granted that um, I can come and go as I please. I can say what I want. Um, I can work. I can not work. I can stay home with my children. I can speak my mind, you know, all, all of that. I take that for granted. And, and, and he, he was given a gift and so were we. Mm -hmm. um, 
it doesn't mean that I, that I miss him any less. It doesn't make it any easier that he's not here. Um, and it doesn't, uh, doesn't mean our boys don't, um, a friend of mine said, you'll re-grieve with every developmental stage. So you imagine mm-hmm. as they get older and um, the different experiences they have, um, how they how they go through that and walk through that journey. And um, so it doesn't mean that the pain is any less. It just means for us that we're so incredibly proud of him. And I would never take the honor of him um, giving such a great gift to us and our nation. I would never take that away from him. It's beautifully said. Um, And I want to go back to the idea of what you said, like, if I knew then what I know now, because Mm -hmm. uh, for our listeners, we'll have in the, in the links at the bottom, uh, an article, we are the mighty that Tessa Robinson uh, wrote uh, about you um, Mm -hmm. that sort of defines everything uh, that you went through with Mike's passing and and you and Gus finding each other. Um, But one quote that I want to I want to highlight within this article uh, because I think it relates to how the work that you're doing with AER is, yeah. uh, I'm going to read this. It says, uh, no one ever told me the incredible things our husbands would be doing while away from home and that every mission would be for the good of our nation. No one ever told me about the amazing and wonderful things we would be doing for our families while they were away. No one ever told me how as spouses, we would show up for each other in good times and in bad. No one ever told me that we would all be changing the world together them abroad and us on the home front. Um, and, I, and I find that quote, as I read through, uh, it really stood out to me um, because no one ever told you all these things. And yet it seems to me now that uh, you wanna be able to tell military spouses these things. You wanna help to, to bring them along if they've not been in a military family, if, if, they're, if it's the first time they've been uh, connected with the military, this is a way for you to help them forward and understand more about this life as, as you so eloquently put the life binder, which I love that quote, (laughs) I need, you need to trademark that. Um, But is, is that a partly a reason that you've sort of, you've paired with AER and the work that you're doing? Absolutely. So I think that it's important for us to um, identify the resources that are available to us in order to thrive, not just feel like you're surviving. I mean, sometimes in life in general, not, I'm sure it's like that for civilians as well, but as a military family, sometimes you just feel like, you know, you're like sucking air. And every time you come up for a breath, the wave hits you in the face again, right? Um, Another deployment or, you know, a flat tire or a pandemic, um, whatever that looks like. And so building your toolbox before you actually need what's in that toolbox. And so in your wise mind, you're identifying what you may or may not need, um, because I like to talk about the survivor benefits as well, and not everybody is going to need those, thankfully. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I think sometimes when you're in the thick of it, um, it's easy to focus on the hardships, right? Mm-hmm. Um, my husband's gone eight months out of the year, or you know, it's been a 365 deployment, so that means they're gone the whole, you know. I never experienced a full year deployment. Um, Mm -hmm. Mike deployed before we got married for 15 months, but um, you know, as a family, I never experienced that. And I think it's really easy to, um, to live there, to live in the places of, of um, focusing on the sacrifices that you're making, as Mm -hmm. opposed to, um, like I said, the, 
the, the true impact. I mean, I, I received letters from people all over the world that Mike worked with in the short period of time um, from other military you know, the um, special forces in the Maldives, um, interpreters that they worked with in Afghanistan. I mean, I, I, these letters explaining the impact that he as an individual or his team and his company and his unit had on their lives and in their communities. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I sat in a place where I was like, oh, he's gone again. Well, you know, I've got two babies. They're throwing up on me. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, um, and so it's easy to live there if you don't try to, to recognize. And then I didn't realize the bond that us as military, as military spouses had mm-hmm. until I watched them show up for me every day. You know, I took for granted that we had FRG meetings, that we met for a circle and, um, and, and shared our life with each other. And, and, and then one day I couldn't do it on my own. Mm-hmm. You know, one day I couldn't put that foot in front of the other and they did it for me. You know, they yeah. fed me family. They brought toys for the boys, sent Bibles, sent cards, text messages, showed up to, you know, the wake, the funeral, um, and are still here today. That's the sense of community that Sarah Wilkinson and I talked about, that it's the the community you don't want the membership to, but but they are so tightly knit and so supportive. And it's not just like, you know, a, a friend of mine passes away and you're there for the the person and, you know, the people, the family, but then you sort of wane and you don't hear from them or you don't talk to them for a time. And knowing that you have that support network. And, and I want to refer back to that article because I feel like um, that's what I gained from it. Not only your incredible strength, um, but finding joy in grief yeah. and finding new family and new communities and uh, and ways forward that the grief doesn't end, but there is a route. There is, there's, there are things to look forward to things to commit yourself to that mean something and, and further extend the love that you had for your spouse, for Mike. Yeah. Are, know, what, I, oh, sorry. <laughs> I was going to ask what, what, what were the certain bits of joy that you found? You know, when I, when I have the opportunity to work with um, and kind of, and, and come in and walk alongside somebody that is, that is struggling through a financial hardship and, and I'm able to connect them with Army Emergency Relief um, or, or hear that they, they learned of Army Emergency Relief, maybe from, from a talk that I gave and that they were able to receive support mm-hmm. um, in that way. And I work with the Green Beret Foundation as well. And um, when I get to walk alongside someone or assist a casualty assistance officer to, to um, be better equipped to care for a surviving family, mm-hmm. um, or when I get to witness what the Department of the Army does um, 
to support surviving families. I sit on the Army Survivor Advisory Working Group. Mm -hmm. So I get this just inside kind of look. I get a seat at the table Mm -hmm. where, you know, I can, I can bring what I'm seeing out in the community to the table, um, offer my input, offer my advice, say, here are the struggles that maybe um, some families are, are working through and watch the work that they do tirelessly to make things happen. It takes time, policy, legislation, all of that takes time. But I remember sitting on a, on a call one day with in, in, um, for the Army Survivor Advisory Working Group and one of the attorneys was literally drawing legislation up as we were talking. Oh, wow. And she was, yeah. And she was going <laughs> to, the proposal was like, she's like, okay, I think I finished the proposal. And we're like, what did you just do that? Um, and so I, you know, I get this great opportunity um, to see how the sausage is made, I guess, is yeah. what they say. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, totally. And some people don't want to eat the sausage after they see what it's made of, but you know, (laughs) (laughs) but to be behind the scenes and part of that excitement and especially to have a voice in the room is, is enormous. Yes. Mm -hmm. And, and to be able to, um, to share with other survivors that we do have a voice, right? They do care mm-hmm. about us. They do care what happens to us. They do care about serving our families and continuing to serve our families, not in an entitled way, but in an empowered way. We wanna empower our survivors to move forward and find joy, right? In mm-hmm. the things that they're able to do um, and understand that there is gonna be complex grief and that we need to, we need to help that and nurture that but not, um, not in a way, and you said something earlier when you said that ultimate sacrifice. And for me, I call it Mike's final sacrifice, hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason why I, I refer to it that way and um, from, you know, from the boys and I and from Gus and I is that ultimate feels like, feels very unattainable. And I understand that death is right, but the, but death is that final sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, when I look at, and especially over the last eight and a half years, how I've seen service members and their families um, struggling in different ways, I think, how can I say that Mike's sacrifice is any greater than theirs? Mm-hmm. It's just different, right? completely different. Mm -hmm. And so when I look at his sacrifice on the battlefield, if you will, Mm -hmm. um, compared to the, um, the mental health struggles that our veterans and their families suffer today, I can't say that, that his is a greater sacrifice. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of why I look at it as, as a final sacrifice, as opposed to an ultimate sacrifice, because I never want somebody to think that um, the sacrifice is, is greater or better or, um, or anything like that. It's just different. That's a really good point. Um, and I, I really appreciate that because I think that's become sort of part of, part of the, the common vernacular is mm-hmm. the ultimate sacrifice. Right. Um, but I love looking at that a little differently, uh, as, as the final, um, that, that, that means, that, that means a lot to me. That, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Because I think that ultimate sacrifice is always achieved the moment that you 
um, enlist or commission or as a first responder, the moment that, I mean, I was talking to um, a first responder the other day and I said, thank you so much for your service and your sacrifice. And he's, oh, you know, just like most of our military. And, and I said, my goodness, you deploy every day into your city. Right. I can't even imagine that. Yeah, yeah. You know? mm-hmm. um, and so, you know, those are the ultimate sacrifices that we make, right? Mm-hmm. That 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 you deploy to a place and you don't know what's going to happen, mm-hmm. but um, but you do it to create a better tomorrow for mm-hmm. the people that you love. Uh, one more question ab- ab- about grief that I, that I read that sort of jumped out to me from the article is how do you live out grief in a positive way? So there's finding joy, but Mm -hmm. how do you transition that grief into a positive and, and push forward? You know, I try and use my experiences to help others. Mm -hmm. Um, I also believe that, and I, I, um, I, had, I have an experience with a friend who is a veteran who did the same thing, right? Used his experience and, um, and he was wounded um, and came home and, and kind of used his experience to help others and to share his testimony and to bring awareness to what, <clears throat> excuse me, bring awareness to what military families may be going through. Mm-hmm. And, um, and what makes me so proud um, about this one friend of mine is that he got to a point where he lived out that grief and he lived out that service where he didn't need to tell his story anymore, Hmm. that that healed him, Mm -hmm. you know, to a point where he could then transition to do something different. It's still going to be meaningful, um, but he didn't need to stand up and share about that day when he was wounded and the journey that happened afterwards. And so for me, I think that, um, living out my grief is, um, if it didn't hurt so bad, then maybe I didn't love so much. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it's, um, I find great comfort and peace in my pain because I know that, um, that our love um, that Mike had for, for me and our marriage and for our boys and our family was so great mm-hmm. that that love plays out in a different way now. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to toot your horn here real quick because I, I saw that you were the Armed Forces Insurance Military Spouse of the Year. Yes. <laughs> Can you tell me a bit about what that what that title meant and and what it meant to you to receive that? This was in 2018. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I will say that um, I was embarrassed at first. <laughs> it felt really weird. Yeah. Um, like as soon as you said I'm going to toot your horn, I was like, oh no. No. Yeah. Exactly. You know? I was like, I was trying to spotlight a little bit, but. <laughs> um. I. You know. It's a great program. It's um, filled with amazing um, military spouses that are just doing incredible things. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I'm, I was just blessed to be among them. And I received the award, um, which I struggled with because I received it for the work that I had done to heal myself. Mm-hmm. So it felt self- selfish. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, our organization, the Unquiet Professional, um, named after Mike, um, was something that we created because I had to do something. I had to give back in a way. I didn't know how to thank all of the organizations that supported our family um, in our time of need. And we still have times of need, right? Mm -hmm. um, Special Operations Warriors, Warriors Foundation provides um, assistance uh, for my younger son, Gabriel, for tutoring mm -hmm. and has increased his reading score by like 600 points. Um, Angels of America's Fallen, the USO, Green Beret Foundation, the Fisher House. We stayed at the Fisher House in Germany, you know, and here in, in, in Dover. Um, Wear Blue Run to Remember. I walked into that community 10 days after Mike died and I didn't have to say anything. Mm. I just, they were just there, you know, for us. And, and it gave us that healthy way to heal. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think um, receiving the award was a little, was a little strange, but what it did was we got a chance to, um, and I think I'll toot his horn, we got a chance to meet General and Mrs. Millie. Mm -hmm. Um, at the time, he was the chief of staff of the army, and he um, he helped us transition into the next phase of our journey. My husband had just finished up his team sergeant time at first group, and so he actually moved us out to the D.C. area, which was such a gift for our family, and then also allowed me to advocate for um, military families and surviving families at a, at a greater level. Only a couple questions left here for you. Um, one being, so you're, you obviously want, you're passionate about helping military spouses uh, and military families. Um, and I'm sure this, this probably, this advice would probably be the same, I would think, but what advice would you give your younger self? Oh gosh, that list is too long. We don't have enough time. <laughs> we don't have enough time. <laughs> <laughs> um, be more graceful. Uh, be more forgiving. Um, recognize that you never know what's happening in somebody else's life, mm -hmm. right? Um, and look at your apps. And look at your yeah subscriptions <laughs> on your apps. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Um, I think that I would. Um, I would spend more time loving than worried about the future. That's a good one. Boy, that's a good one. It's a bit of a self-reflection there. <laughs> no, I like that. I'm going to share that far and wide. Because <laughs> there's enough to worry about. Yeah. We got enough things to worry about. Mm -hmm. And the military families that have a, a deployed family member I'm sure worry 10, hundred thousand times more than I worry about anything that I have going on in my life. Um, so when they have them around- Maybe not, but just differently. That, you, know, you know, that's a good point. That's a very good point. Um, because, you know, it, it, when they're there, it's, it's about loving them as much as you possibly can. And, mm -hmm. you know, if you, have the, if you have the ability to love somebody here, here and now, then you should, you can, and that means something. Yeah. Absolutely.
And that made me forget my final question. So <laughs> it's like, that's a good, it's too good of a, of a point. Um, <laughs> uh, now let me ask you a question. Do oh boy. Yeah, sure. So as a civilian, mm -hmm. you mentioned you didn't, you haven't served in the military. Um, why do you, why do you do this? What, what creates that passion for you to want to share the military story? That's, it's a great question. And it, and it, it stems to something that's sort of, uh, that has made me who I am. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I actually, uh, got my degree in acting from, from Point Park here in Pittsburgh in 2004. Yeah. Acted for a long time. Um, but got into nonprofit work. I worked for a theater for about 10 years. Mm -hmm. And uh, that taught me a lot, um, a lot more outside of sort of the selfish world of, of acting. You have to be very selfish to be an actor. You know, it's not, there's no room for family. There's no room for anybody else's needs. You, you go and you do rehearsal and you do all that stuff. I was always interested in, in veteran stories. I always loved reading the books and, you know, the, the, the warrior story. It just always intrigued me. Well, I came across Veterans Breakfast Club here in Pittsburgh um, as we were doing A Few Good Men at the, at the Playhouse. And uh, I was like, you know what? I, I need to you know, dip into the veteran community and see, see what's what. And uh, came across Veterans Breakfast Club. I started attending a couple of the breakfasts. This was before COVID when we were having much more in-person um, and was blown away, was absolutely blown away. Um, that mission of educate, heal, connect, inspire was, was real. Mm -hmm. And I've always had a knack for storytelling and love for storytelling. And there was something that was raw and truthful and uh, immediate about the stories that were being told within that space. Um, and it was very different than the playhouse, which I love sitting and watching a play and hearing the stories on stage and you learn something and you're with a community there. Um, and VBC was just different. Um, I found myself in a spot that I was able to make a transition and uh, brought, got up the courage to talk to uh, the executive director, Todd DiPestino. Um, and I'm very fortunate to be able to work for this organization. And over the last year and a half have just, I've not stopped learning. Every conversation I learned something new. Um, every veteran I talked to, every military spouse, every gold star wife, blue star family, any era, any branch. Uh, you know, recently we talked about the Mars radio stations that were in Vietnam and you learn something about not only how they did it, but these veterans who were deployed that needed and wanted to talk to their family. Now you could jump on zoom or FaceTime and yeah. talk with your, talk with your spouse. Back then you had to, you had to hit a satellite and they had to jump you across the world. And hopefully your family was home because they would ring them on the dial tone and then you had yeah, to pay a bunch of money. <laughs> exactly. Of <laughs> yeah. And so our listeners, if you haven't done know anything about Mars radio stations, look them up. It was very intriguing. And these guys would line up this, these stations would be open 24 hours a day going off on a tangent here, but this is the idea that we're talking about of communicating and being able to connect with your loved ones. And how do you do that? And that was something listening to the guys who ran these stations and listening to the guys that were deployed that were like, I just wanted to talk to my wife. I just wanted to say, I love you to my mom, you know, and they'd get on there and be able to do this for three minutes. And that was it. And they'd be gone for a year, you know? So 
why I do it is, is, is storytelling. I, I, I love storytelling. Um, I love hearing stories. I love finding out about people uh, as well. And, um, and I've been so uh, intrigued by your story and just really blown away by everything about you, the, the strength that you have, the passion that you have uh, to come through the, the, the trials and the, the trauma that you've experienced, but to find something on the other end and say, I want to help more people that boy, it, it, it's so uh, inspirational. I'll use, I'll use our mission to, to say it. it it's, it's, it, there aren't really words to describe it. You know, um, your reason I want, I need to connect you. And it reminds me of this amazing organization that we've sponsored actually before um, we meaning the unquiet professional, but um, the veteran spouse project, Mm-hmm. And they have a theater um, hmm. arm and it's called I Will Wait. And it is the generations of service and all of the different wars. You're going to love it. I'm going to connect you with them yes. and you can have them on your show because they are an amazing group of women who, um, who put on this, um, this, this show that, you can really connect with and you can see and feel the, um, I think the service and sacrifice over the years and the difference, like you said, I mean, we were able to FaceTime with Mike when he was in Afghanistan, Mm -hmm. you know, as opposed to, and then we got to fly to Germany to be with him after he was wounded. You know, he died five days, um, after the attack and, but you know, his parents, his siblings, myself, we were, we were there with him. Mm-hmm. Um, that didn't happen then. No. You got telegram. Right. And even in your, your, your beautiful article, you mentioned that even as he was interred and brought back to the States, a lot of those families that were there, you at least got to be with him at the end. And these families, they saw them deployed and that's it. The next time they saw them was when they were brought back. And it's, yeah. it's heart-wrenching. It's really... It's, it was tough to read that specifically to think like, I, I can't imagine seeing my, my daughter go anywhere outside the room, but not, not knowing that if I'm ever going to see her again, these are the things that we as civilians take for granted. We don't know anything about. And that's what I hope in some way our podcast can sort of start to educate people and help them to understand a bit about what the sacrifices of the military families are going through. And I think the other, um, one of the big things that I've learned over time is, um, I mean, this is everything, right? Comparison is the, is evil, 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 evil. Um, because, you know, Mike's parents and, and I talk about this often and, um, you know, I tell them that I could never imagine losing my son. Yeah. And and they look at me and say, they can't imagine losing each other. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and I, I don't have siblings. I mean, we, we forget a lot of times that, um, that the siblings have had this person their whole entire lives, probably. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, Mike was 30 when he died and, you know, I mean, he was the youngest of four and David, Abby and Isaac had him for 30 years. And, you know, um, it's easy to focus on the spouse and the kids and the parents, 
but we forget about um, we forget about that bond as siblings that they have and and the grief and the loss that they feel um, with that and um, but you know but not comparing because I don't know what it's like I mean I'm an only child so um, I have my own issues obviously <laughs> <laughs> that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> that's a whole other podcast. But never comparing because, um, you know, you can say that uh, there was one situation is com it's completely different than the other and it's not better or worse. It's just different. And, mm -hmm. and I think one of the things that I, that, um, has, has really, um, struck me over the years is the survivor's guilt that our service members go through. Um, due to the loss of our, our fallen, um, whether it's they, whether it's you know whether it's overseas or whether it's here in the U.S., and um, I need them to understand that they're here for a reason, mm -hmm. and that reason means something, and they weren't meant to be the one to die at that time. Right. And, um, and I hope they hear that from me, from my heart. Which did remind me of my final question. Yay! Because I think that that is such a great point for, for, the, for the military, for the active military, the, the survivors of, you know, of a battle or, or whatnot. But for, for the civilians, what advice would you have for civilians? How can we help support gold star wives, gold star families. Um, what are different ways that we can engage and connect? Oh, I mean, there's so many organizations out there. I always say connect with the organization that touches you the most, just mm -hmm. like you did, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, of course, our branch um, relief societies, as I said, you know, Army Emergency Relief, Air Force Aid Society, Navy Marine Corps Relief and Coast Guard Mutual Assistance, they all support survivors as well. Mm -hmm. um, and, um, and then there's, there's this, the smaller organizations. I mean, I call them kind of the main, the main ones under, um, under the branches, and then all the ones underneath. I mean, work with Special Operations Warriors Foundation that's specifically for surviving families. And, um, and I think there's a couple of things to remember as I, I would like civilians to remember is that um, as an individual, as an American even, um, we all serve in a different way. Mm -hmm. And it's all very meaningful. I mean, there's, there's jobs that we, I mean, have we not learned anything through the pandemic on what's an essential job? right? <laughs> Maybe. And what isn't right. and identifying, I mean, I, I, would we have thought when we look at particular job descriptions across the U S that that person would be essential mm -hmm. our, to our life, our, our everyday living. Right. And so to identify that and to look at that and to consider that, and that we all serve in our own way, just because you haven't signed up and, you know, and, and enlisted or commissioned in the military doesn't mean you don't serve this nation in a very meaningful way. Right. And, but to be able to get involved, I think that if, if, if you do have the time, talent or treasure, 
um, to support a military organization to find one that really, um, because to me as, as a founder of a nonprofit and then who volunteers and serves with multiple nonprofits, it's really important that the donors um, find passion in what we do. That's right. You know, because we want, we want you to get out of what we do just as much, right? Mm -hmm. Just as, just as much of a benefit. And so, and then you're going to talk about it even more. So spread the awareness of it. Um, how, so. how does one donate to AER? You can go online mm -hmm. to armyemergencyrelief.org and, and donate there. And, um, and we also, so I do a Facebook live actually every week on mm -hmm. different, different things. So if, if there's, um, I like to bring other people on, um, to our, you know, to share resources. So we might get an invitation soon. Oh, excellent. Um, and we'll be sure to blast that out if you're okay with that. So people yes. can know. <laughs> Absolutely. Mm -hmm. But we like to, to, to show that, um, there's a quote. Um, that I heard many years ago, and it struck me, and I think kind of sums everything up. And and she said, "There's nothing more beautiful than a community coming together and choosing you." Hmm. You need like 15 mics so that you can drop them all like right in a row. <laughs> <laughs> Just like I feel like this whole conversation has been mic drops. So. And none Kudos. of them are really my words. I'm like, and I heard this uh, quote. No, no, and I still. I mean, some of them are, I guess. <laughs> oh my goodness. That's that's and, that's a great quote. You know, and I think the the last one that I will say is um, from Saint Ignatius Loyola, and Lord, help me to help me to give and not count the cost. I have about 15 people I want to say that to. <laughs> yes. But you're I'll right. I'll make you little business cards. <laughs> this, yeah, that'll be, that's going to be on my business card in a QR code. So, that, you know, I can right, sell right. my hat or something. <laughs> uh, Krista, uh, I want to thank you so much for coming on to the Scuttlebutt. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure and an honor uh, to have you on here and to tell us about uh, all of the wonderful work that you have been involved in and to honor Mike. And, uh, and talk about your family. Um, it's meant a lot to me and hopefully it means a lot to our audience. Um, any final words? Uh, I'm gonna give you one more mic to drop. Oh my goodness. Well, don't forget to go to armyemergencyrelief.org to mm -hmm. look at all the amazing things that, um, that we're doing. There's a ton of blogs there too that are written by our partners and, and other resources. Um, and, and, and always reach out to me if there's a need and, and you can't, and you just can't find what you're looking for. I will help you. I promise it may not be AER, it may be another resource, um, but we will get you um, everything that you need when you need it. So thank you Fantastic. so much for your time and having me on. Of course, definitely. And uh, to our audience, please remember to review us uh, wherever you get your podcast and like, share, subscribe, and ring the bell on YouTube. We will be back for another season of the Scuttlebutt. Uh, Krista, I, I'm so happy that you were like our bookend for the for the end of this season. Thank felt like you. a it felt like a, a great season to be a part of. Um, and I want to thank you again. Thank you. I want to thank Millerstown Pick Apart for their generous support and sponsorship of this program. For Millerstown's hours, direction, inventory, and pricing, go to pickapartyard.com. That's P-I-C-A-P-A-R-T-Y-A-R-D. Dot com. Thank you so much, Millerstown. 
and uh, we'll see you on the next scuttlebutt.